This is episode 138 of the Relate podcast on self-care in our relationships with Maria Miller. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to another episode of Relate. I hope all of you are doing well, that you had a happy new year, that it was amazing. Hopefully you enjoyed the holiday season. Very excited to start off this year, 2021, with an amazing episode. I have my good friend Maria Miller joining us on the podcast today, and she is a spiritual life coach who is an expert at guiding her clients to ditch self-doubt and feelings of unworthiness, discover their inner guidance, and trust themselves. She has been doing some amazing work in the self-care industry for a number of years now. And on this episode, we talk about a wide variety of different things. Maria shares about the importance of being a creator of what you want in your life. She also shares the four R's for changing your relationship with yourself, the importance of knowing your values and overcoming conflicting beliefs, and also how we are responsible for our own happy. <laughs> this is a great episode, and I know I learned a lot in speaking with Maria in this episode. And we also talk about self-care in relationship to technology and social media. So if you like this episode, if you feel like it will really resonate with someone that you know, please share it, head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave me a review, let me know your thoughts. I would love to get your feedback and hear what you think. So, with all of that said, let me please introduce today's guest of Relate, Maria Miller. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Relate podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest joining us today, my good friend, Maria Miller. Maria, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for having me, Pat. I am pumped to be here. Yes, I'm very excited to dive into a conversation with you. You're actually someone that I've been meaning to have on the show for a while now because you're doing some amazing work as a spiritual life coach and really doing a lot when it comes to practicing self-care and really removing self-doubt and these feelings of of really just putting ourselves down a lot and and really removing those things from our life and really creating a healthy relationship with ourselves. So then that way we could bring our best foot forward in the world. So you're doing amazing work. And so I'm very happy to have you here today. Well, thank you. It's funny. I can think back to a time when we were visiting together in the Bay Area and when you were sharing what you did and what you were interested in and you know what your sort of mission was all about, I was like, oh my goodness. 
he's he's on to something here. This stuff is really important. So I feel like this is really um, divine timing as far as like that we're connecting right now. But I'm super excited to see what we cover together today. Yes. So I'm wondering if you could just start out by sharing for our listeners just a little bit about yourself and what led you on to this self-care journey and why do you want to help others in this way? Uh, sure. So from when I was little, like in my, in my, I don't know, 10, 12 teenage years, I had this really strong sense that uh, taking responsibility for my life, for my um, situation was going to be really important and that there was a lot that I would learn from really owning what was going on in my experience and and figuring out how to be a creator of what I wanted versus what I didn't want. And so that kind of, those seeds were sown when I was pretty young and then life happens, right? We go to we graduate from college. I'm sorry, graduate from high school, go to college and all of these novel stressors came into my experience and I watched as like I, my body reacted to stress. I had all kinds of like skin conditions and digestive issues. And I watched how my mind responded to the stress. And I saw like, whoa, I've got a lot of growing to do. I've got a lot of healing to do. And so this sort of like downfall, I would say it was my freshman to my sophomore year of college, this sort of like physical and emotional downfall set me on a path to figure out how do I heal and not like how do I fix this and with some kind of remedy, but how do I really bring deep healing to my body and my mind? Um, and at that time, I was able to see how clearly what I thought about impacted my physicality. Like I am freaking out about X, Y, Z. And, and now I've got anxiety that's manifesting in my body. And so I was really intent on figuring out how to, first of all, heal my body because it was like falling apart. And I was otherwise up until that point, super healthy. It's like, what's going on here? Um, and that sort of set me on this journey where I figured out, wow, okay. So there's some behavior things I need to do. I could change how I eat. Um, but it has a lot to do with what I'm thinking about, how stressed I am. And so what are the things I can do to really awaken the healing force within and then set myself up to, to be well-resourced and healthy for the rest of my life? Yeah, I think I, I really applaud really how you've recognized that within yourself, because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, with regards to, uh, I think a lot of people and for reasons better or worse, feel like they need to put either others before them or perhaps mm -hmm. work before themselves or, or projects before themselves, whatever it may be. And I, I love what you were saying too, just about really recognizing that you are the creator of your life and you are essentially making a life for yourself when you really take a step back and, and look at it. And I think it's so important that we do take care of ourselves. Uh, therefore, we could put our best foot forward. And so with all that said, I, I would love to hear about, I, I, I guess, a, a little bit about what you do when you're working with clients and then kind of a, a sub question underneath that what would you say in your opinion are the best ingredients for healthy self-care okay those are great questions pat so um when i work with clients i 
I follow a four-step process and I work with people in like group containers over four weeks or individually over 12 weeks. And the we go through the four stages no matter how we work together. The, there are four R's. I call them the four R's to changing your relationship with yourself. So what I discovered was that at the heart of what was going on for me, at the heart of my stress, was this um, really strong inner critic, really strong sort of doubtful voice, um, judgmental voice inside of me that put me down all the time. And then that bled into all areas of my life um, and really held me back, like really made it feel like I didn't have what it took to reach for my dreams or step toward my dreams. So um, I've sort of brought my work back when it comes to working with people to how do we change what we think of ourselves? How do we change the stories we tell about ourselves? And I use four steps, which are recognize. Just first of all, we need to notice what's going on. What does my inner critic's voice sound like? When does it arise? What are the stories I tell about tell myself about myself that really feel like crap when I think them? Um, and then uh, I work a lot with people's emotional guidance system there, which is like learning how to interpret your emotions and how they can teach you so much about what you think. And then step two is release. We learn how to let go of those stories. And it's not like we decide one day we're going to let go of them and then they're gone. But we start learning that process of release, which has a lot to do with self-compassion and self-forgiveness. So I invite people to forgive themselves in a myriad of ways and to start, you know, really deliberately and intentionally letting go of the things that they realize, oh, you know what, I used to believe that about myself, but I don't really think it's true or I don't really think it serves me anymore. And then the third step is replace. And that's where we get super intentional about what do we want to fill in that spot? So I love to use the um, image of a garden to liken with our minds. And when we have a garden and there's a whole bunch of stuff growing in it, but we want to clean it up, we pull the weeds. But if we don't also plant new healthy plants in their place, the weeds are all just going to come back. So it's not just about saying, oh, I recognize this thought and I want to release it. But it's like, what do I want to put in its place? What do I want to replace it with? So that's step four. And then I'm sorry, that's step three. And then step four, which might be my favorite part, is called remember. And remember is all about how you reconnect with yourself so that you can tap into the truth, the fullness of who you really are. And I offer people so many ways to do this, whether it's through meditation, spending time in nature, spending time alone, spending time with people you love. Um, but we just kind of explore where is it that you find you're in your joy space, you feel connected, you feel like you have access to more than just the surface of who you are. Um, so through that, through those four steps, I help to bring people around to um, to being a more conscious, deliberate creator in their own life so that they can experience life that they want. Oh man, it's great. It, it, this is such important work. I love it. And I, I love everything that you're saying because I think that, and, and really a, a big part of, of why I love what you're saying is that there is this simplicity to it. It's something that is very easy to understand. And I know that in some of your work and, and blog as well, that, that you talk about simplicity. And I would love to just hear your thoughts on the, the concept of simplicity, but then also how it relates to self-care. Because yes, I think there are these certain practices in place with regards to taking care of ourselves that when you really boil down to it, it they are very simple concepts. However, with that said, they don't seem to be very easy for a lot of people. So I'm wondering if you could just share your thoughts on 
why do you believe so many people? And I, I would I would argue too, probably the majority of people have such a difficult time implementing and practicing self care. Sure. So I'm sorry, I like skipped your second question on the previous one, but um, simple versus easy. I love that you said those two together. A lot of what I teach on and talk about is really simple. It's like people will hear it and they'll be like, yeah, like I know that on some level, like conceptually, I get that. Um, but what makes things not easy is that what we can't see is all of the sort of I don't want to call them unconscious because they're not completely unconscious, but like semi-conscious beliefs, all the things that we're slightly aware of, but not fully aware of. Um, so maybe how your parents looked at resting, like if your parents were workaholics and they said, you know, people who rest are lazy, even if they didn't say that so outwardly, but if they showed you that with their actions, um, we've kind of integrated these systems that say, this is what makes you lovable. This is what makes you good enough. And then the opposite doesn't. And so oftentimes self-care falls into the category that from a, a society that's really built on productivity and, and being busy and achieving and setting goals and reaching for them, a lot of what aligns with self-care looks like the opposite of that. So we, we have to sort of take a look on the inside and say, what is it for me? What are my values? And am I aware of what my values are? Am I aware of what I think makes me worthy? Am I aware of what I think makes me enough? Am I aware of what I think makes me good? And then deciding maybe I inherited values from people I love and people who love me. And maybe most of them are awesome and maybe some of them aren't so good. And maybe those are the ones I want to bring into question um, and take to that process of like, recognize what's going on, release what I don't want and replace it with something better. Um, so I think that's one reason that it can be really hard for people to implement, just that we have these conflicting beliefs about what makes us worthy humans. Um, and then, um, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I think with the majority of people, oftentimes it's just kind of a taking some time to really get clear on defining what's important to us and what, um, what, where we put value on things in our lives. Yeah, I really love that a lot. I think it's very easy for a lot of us to lose track of our beliefs and our values and to really take the time to assess those, I think is so critically important. And then implementing those as well. I think something that really fascinates me about self-care and that I've come to realize and also practice in my life I, I feel like this was something I always kind of did at some level, but really labeling it as this, I didn't really start to embrace probably till a few years ago, is this idea of being selfish. And mm. I, I'm, I'm almost at this point now where like, in some ways, being selfish is a good thing so that you could then be selfless. Like, I almost feel like you can't be completely selfless unless you're a little bit selfish. Uh, to the full extent, yes. uh, to the full extent, at least, because if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you possibly take care of others to to your you know most capable ability? So yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts on the idea of of selfish, and I guess some of the positivity that could come out of being <laughs> selfish, which is a word that's usually you know denoted to something that's very negative. 
Yeah. So selfishness absolutely has this negative connotation. And I think just the fact that in our language that has that meaning, like that exemplifies, that shows us, that's why people have a hard time taking care of themselves and making themselves a priority. And I look back on like my matriarchal line and see how my mom and my grandmother, um, kind of were shown that this is the way you care for people. And then I had the good fortune being the, the the third generation in this chain to see the implications of when you really don't care for yourself. And then what that means for you, for your health, for your relationships, and also your ability to keep on caring for other people. So I think that um, we have this really interesting thing happening right now where say just two generations ago, people had to work a lot to keep things going. And so now we have more free time and like the word self-care wasn't even wasn't even in the vocabulary. Like people didn't use that term when my grandmother was a mother, was was raising her children, I should say. Um, and so now we're we're kind of like waking up, we're seeing, wow, that's the that's the effects like of sort of a a sense of being uh, like putting yourself last and putting everyone else first. We see what happens and we're like, you know, I don't really want that for myself. I don't really want to grow up and be that way. And so something that I found is that um, codependence, this idea that I'm okay if the people I care for are okay, is something that many people are impacted by. And so I, I often use the term like people pleasing as yes. being a motivator for us, right? And we have to really examine that and until we can be okay when everyone around us isn't okay, we have we still have some more work to do on that front because the one big big thing of the work that I do and what I try to, to remind people because we all know this on some level I believe is that we are responsible for our own happy in that it's a little bit nutty to expect a partner a friend a child a parent to provide us with all kinds of stimulation that will make us happy all the time like uh yeah that's a little that's expired. Like that idea has expired. No, it's on you to figure out how to be happy. And the beauty is when you could prioritize how you feel, which is such a tenant of the work I do is reminding people over and over, care about how you feel, care about how you feel, care about how you feel. When you can do that, your boat doesn't get rocked the same way it does when someone around you, you know, isn't happy with you or, you know, just isn't happy in general, it might have nothing to do with you, but you can stay on solid footing, knowing that all is well within you when you can sort of bring back the reins. And so I think that's where I think selfish. I want almost a middle of the, the road word for that. I want something between selfish and selfless, because we don't want to be without a self. We want right, to be like right. selfful. Like we're, I'm uh, that's, that's good. <laughs> I don't know. But but to to sort of be in the middle of those two, I think is really ideal. Yeah, self-full. I like that. I like that. That should be the name of a like future book or or future blog posts or something that you write. I, I yeah, really, there you go. Yeah, I really like that a lot. Well, and I think so much of what you're saying too, a lot of it, it, it it's a matter of being habitual, isn't it? Where, mm-hmm. where you know, practicing self-care, it is a practice. And I think the more and more people do it on repeat, really taking care of themselves and really having this sort of approach to life, the more that they do it, the more it becomes a habit. And then the more it becomes instinctual, so much so that you're almost not even recognizing it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's so cool about how adaptive we are as humans, that nothing is like people will talk about limiting beliefs. And we, I used to think of like a belief as being this cemented thing, like, ah, I'm stuck with this for the rest of forever. And it's absolutely not true. And the same thing goes for our, our patterns, like our daily patterns. I love working with people to build morning routines because I think that's putting yourself, if you take care of yourself first thing in the morning, it's keeping you high on your priority list. And that carries through the rest of the day. And once you get into that habit, it's just like natural. You roll out of bed and you want to do it. Um, and it can be super supportive and not take a ton of time, which I also think is super cool. Right, right. And it's it's amazing how that compounds on each other as the days go by, the weeks go by, the months, the years, and just the, the lasting effect that it could have. I think it's something that's really powerful. Totally. I, so now I would love to to chat about, this is something that we recently connected on and something that you've been talking a lot about recently in your work. I recently, uh, actually before our call, I read your blog post, the something inside me is dying. And mm -hmm. I, would, I would love to talk about our relationship to technology and social media. This is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And I would love to hear your thoughts and uh, if you don't mind sharing your own journey with it as well. And really, how do we find that balance with social media, with technology, and also practice self-care in conjunction with that? All right. That is such a good question. I'm so glad we get to talk about that, Pat. So uh, recently, it's been this like really perfect storm of shaking up, of making me wake up, I should say. So a couple weeks ago, I watched the documentary, um, The Social Dilemma, and was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea what I was really, what I'm really taking part in as someone who has a social media account. And it had just like, so my husband, he's like, oh, he's ahead of me in some of these things. And so he is not <laughs> active on any of the platforms. And watching it for him, like watching it with him was interesting. Cause for me, I just kept feeling like, Oh my God, duh, duh, duh. Like, how did I not see this? How did I not see this? And he was like, yeah, I saw all this. Yeah. This is why I don't have an Instagram <laughs> And I'm like, Oh, all right. So we've had, he and I personally have had a lot of discussions and disagreements about it because I'm pretty active on social. I'm sometimes very active on social media. And, um, and he had this sense of what was actually going on there. So this got me to take a step back and just need to say, wait a minute. And the really funny thing or ironic thing is that I watched this at the end of a three month program that I, you know, participated in to learn how to market things on social media, to market better. My, my coaching service is better on social media. Oh, and wow. so it was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like, why did I do this? But I love, although it's, it can be you know, upsetting and upset your apple cart and shake things up a little bit. I love it when life looks at you and goes, you know, you really have a choice here. Like you really, you can't ignore this anymore. You right. can't pretend that you don't know what you now know. So with that, I was like, okay, I'll figure this out. I'll find what this means for me. I just kind of kept going along business as usual with my use of the platform and with my uh, content creation. Um, so like my consumption and my creation, I was kind of like going along just the same and it started to feel so not good. Like, ugh, 
like dreadful. And then I started making some changes for myself where I adjusted the settings on my phone, the um, downtime settings on my phone. And I was realizing like, I felt disconnected from people. I felt overwhelmed and I felt like I didn't have any time to do the things that I enjoyed. Now, obviously I have like my morning routine, which is really, you know, a staple, but beyond that, I was feeling by the end of the day, super sapped. And like, all I would end up doing was like getting on Instagram and scrolling. And so now that I had this playing in my mind from the social dilemma and noticing, like I might, I'm the freest now that I will ever be. I don't have children. I work for myself. If I don't have time right now, something has to give because it can't be true. Yeah. So I looked at my Instagram use and I think my average daily time on Instagram was like two hours and 35 minutes. And I was like, holy Hannah, that's a lot of time. And I now knowing, knowing what the effects of of time spent on like on net, on social social networks is I'm like okay so now I know why I feel disconnected now I know why I feel overwhelmed and why I've got a horrible case of comparisonitis because I've been really indulging and taking a lot of time there so I probably did cold turkey for a few days like I was disgusted with myself so I set an hour timer um so when I spent an hour on Instagram it would let me know and then I would just get off even if I still had work to do, even whatever, I was just like, I'm disgusted with this. I'm getting off. And I started reading in the evenings and I started calling my friends instead of trying to like leave an emoji on their stories. And I really decided I wanted to take most of my friendships like off Instagram. Like, yes, I'll still see people stuff there, but I really want to connect with people in a meaningful way in text message in on FaceTime on a phone call outside of Instagram. And so I started to see how things got better, like how I started feeling better. I was still active, but I started feeling better. And um, I was reading another, once I started reading, I started reading this book that I highly recommend. It's it's called Them, um, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal by Senator Ben Sass. And I think what he talks about dovetails well with your work, you can confirm, but he talks about how the reason that we're so things are so polarized here in our country is that we've lost a sense of connection and community. And when we can no longer see one another as like, we can only see one another as, as different or as, as the other, as them versus us. And a lot of what he wrote about pointed to social media as being a cause. So then I was like, now I'm in a really tight spot because I really want to serve my clients well. And I, I think I want I think I want to help them get off Instagram. I don't think I want to make them stay around <laughs> here. So, um, so my blog post, something inside me is dying was kind of like detailing that experience of realizing I really had to do things differently. And I still haven't figured out what that looks like. That was just last week that I wrote that. So, um, I have some ideas, but I'm still not sure. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it really is this, uh, Pandora's box in a lot of ways of, really coming into the the conclusion that, okay, what is our relationship to social media? And then also to each other through social media as well. I know for mm-hmm. myself, it, it for me, there's a lot of people out there who at least seem, maybe it's just my perception, but seem to really enjoy engaging on social media, posting on social media and interacting with their audience in that way. 
And I know for me, it's, it's like a struggle. It feels like something I like have to do. And I think I would definitely agree with you in the sense that a lot of times it feels like it saps a lot of energy and it's, I guess, trying to figure out this balance of, okay, for the energy that I'm putting into it, how much am I getting out of it? And, and it does make me wonder if, uh, I guess a more nuanced approach kind of in the realm of what you were saying with regards to interacting more so, whether it's like through just like a weekly email newsletter and interacting that way and interacting like directly with those people who subscribed and, and really, uh, what, what's the word, um, opted into, to following your content. Now, I guess that's also the same thing when you're on Instagram and and follow in in a way, but I guess there's, there's just so many other things, so much stuff on there that it's so easy to get lost in that, that rabbit hole of information. And mm-hmm. it, it re- I would agree with you. It, it really does does take up a lot of energy that could often be be spent elsewhere uh, towards something that may be more productive. Uh, and yeah, I think that so, so many people nowadays are in this this phase of like trying to figure out, okay, what is what is my place on social media and how can I serve on social media, but then also how is it serving the work that I am teaching? Absolutely. And I, you know, Pat, I want to echo you saying like it saps your energy, like absolutely. So something that I noticed through this process is that I had a a belief that everyone's on Instagram. So if I want to have any success, I need to be there too. And if I'm not, I'll be the one missing out. And that's an absolutely flawed premise. Right. Like the, the 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 fact of the matter is, just like you, I have I love people, and I am a a networker and a campaigner at heart. Like it's who I am. But like you said, some people just love servicing their audiences or their their following. I don't feel a connection to people in that way, and it's not that I don't feel a connection to people generally. It just isn't. It it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't register for me. It doesn't come online for me. So what I realized I was doing and actually having this conversation super helpful is that just like I crave and desire a stronger, like a deeper sense of connection, a stronger sense of community, like an in-person community, there are people out there who likewise crave the same. And I used to think that, well, if I just didn't use this, then I would have no one to talk to. And now I'm seeing if you just use the, if you don't use Instagram and you just stay in your bedroom all the time by yourself, that will be true. (laughs) But if you find different ways to get in front of people, different ways to connect with them, to hold space for them, I know this year has made it a lot more tricky when we talk about community and gathering. Um, But just in the past few weeks where I said, you know, I want to start shifting my focus and start connecting with people in different ways. I've had a myriad of opportunities to speak come up. One being with you, one being with a woman who runs a like um, subscription-based coaching program and another being at a virtual mindfulness seminar at Miami University. And I was like, wow, look at that. Those 
these types of things give me such um, a like dopamine hit. They're so much more fulfilling than spending time on Instagram. Um, and they're, they're options as well. It's not the only thing. So it's been really cool to sort of play with that and see uh, what other options there are for reaching people. Yeah, I think that's a really good reminder it, for for me as well with what you're saying is that yes, a lot of people are on Instagram, but there's a whole wide world out there outside of Instagram and, and social media in yeah. general. And a, I think a lot of opportunity as well. You bring up a really good point about how I think Many of us, I know myself included, oftentimes feel like, oh, okay, well, we have to do this because that's how we're going to find success or that's how we're going to make uh, specific connections or, or, or something along those lines. But, but it, it, it's tough to, to connect, uh, at least I have found, maybe it's different for a lot of other people, but I have found that it's very difficult to connect in a deep and meaningful way on social media and i guess particularly instagram i've had a lot of people on this show and it's been interesting that uh what one particular i i had a musician recently on the show her name's emma and she is a musician with a, a pretty decent following and we were talking about how sometimes when people comment on each other's posts, there's like an ulterior motive behind it that like, then that this, this sort of culture is very, very common and in some ways kind of inescapable on Instagram where you'll comment on someone's post, not necessarily because you're genuinely interested, but you're hoping that they will then go to your page and see like your stuff and, there's that sort of mm -hmm. disconnect that isn't present in, I guess, a, a meaningful connection, the, the kind that you were just talking about. And so, so I think, I think for me, that's, that's sort of the, the tricky thing is, you know, I am an actor, as you know, and a lot of people I talk to say like, oh, okay, it's important to connect with people in the industry on mm -hmm. Instagram and, follow like casting directors and different types of people like that on, on Instagram. And I, so I've done that to an extent, but what's, what's interesting about it is it's like, at least for me, it's been like, okay, well, how, how deep is the connection going to be on Instagram? Now, if I find them on Instagram and then search them out, maybe find their website, find their email, and then reach out that way. I think there's then more of a potential for a, a deeper connection. But I guess on the platform, I don't know, maybe it's just a platform for, for awareness and then you take those deeper connections elsewhere. I think it's just, it's a very interesting machine that is so embedded into all of our lives that I think we're all just still trying to figure out like, okay, what role does it play in, you know, my greater mission for, for the work that I'm doing and pursuing? Absolutely. And I, it's so funny that you say that I like, I can absolutely relate to comment to bring awareness as being something that's frankly like exhausting. And I'm someone who like I said, is really interested in people, but you aren't your Instagram feed. So me looking through yes, your pictures, yes. it's like, what? Th this means really nothing. This doesn't say much. Like, 
it potentially is just pictures of some of the highlights of your life, which is great, which is awesome. But like, that doesn't mean that I now know you. So what I found, um, I have made meaningful connection and where I found it's happened was in direct messages when I switched over to voice or switched over to video and really people reach, if someone reaches out with a particular question and then I get to kind of dive in with them on what they're working on, that's where I feel so served by it. But the part where it's like trying to attract people to my account, I am very, that's, that part's very like, uh, dreadful. Like if you're there, awesome. Let's, let's do this. But yeah, making someone feel that you're interested in them so they might be interested in you just does not feel genuine. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that this is something that is different from self-promotion. I think that, you know, you or or me like sharing our our website or something like that on social media or like posting about something that you, that you've worked on that you're really proud about, maybe for example, mm-hmm. in your in your case, you might post about how Oh, I, I worked with so-and-so and we had a great collaboration. We did this, that, and the other thing. And it was, it was very rewarding for these reasons. I think like that, that sort of thing, at least in my opinion, is, is very different than kind of what we were just talking about before with regards yeah. to gaining attention. It's, yeah. I, it's, it's a very, very interesting thing and definitely definitely an interesting like experiment in how humans think and and behave Mm -hmm. online because you bring up a really good point that what we see is not necessarily like who that person is at least not not their complete selves and i think Mm -hmm. it's important for all of us to remember that because as you mentioned earlier it's so easy to fall into that comparison trap and and look at people's feeds or pages and be like, oh, you know, my life isn't as amazing as theirs. But what what you're comparing your whole life experience and who you are as a whole person to just a couple photos of this person's mm-hmm. life. And so, so yeah, it's, it's a very interesting dissection for sure. Yeah. And something that I've noticed too, is I, I get this pseudo sense I actually find that Instagram prevents me or social media prevents me from reaching out to my friends because I'll see them share their stories and be like, oh, I know what's going on in their lives. I know what they're doing, but like, I don't really know anything. I just know where they were that day or what they ate that day or whatever. (laughs) That is not, that's not the grounds on which I want to maintain my friendships and my, my relationships are important to me. So it's been a cool um, couple weeks as I sort of dove into what what place does this have in my life and how can I use it for its benefits? Because I don't believe that I think anything can be medicine or poison. So how do I stick to the medicine and just avoid the poison? Yes. Very well said. I, yeah. I think with everything that we're talking about, it comes with the caveat that obviously there is a lot of great things about social media and about its ability to make those initial connections for for myself for example like with this podcast there are so many great people particularly on linkedin that i've connected with that i've then had on this show and then we've had great mm. conversations and th- that particularly i don't know why but it's it's been a great 
great platform for me to connect with people. And I think in similar ways, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all these platforms, they do have this great potential to be able to, to make those initial connections. And I think what's just important is to remember that real deep, meaningful relationships take place outside of that, that that's mm-hmm. not, that's not where, at least in my opinion, that's not where you're mm-hmm. going to, to grow a meaningful connection. It might be right. a great, a great place for, for making that initial contact and for, mm-hmm. for developing awareness of, of each other's existence, but, but then being able to, to grow that off the space. I think at least for me, that's been very effective in in developing relationships for sure. And so, yeah, I would definitely agree with you in, in really using these platforms for their positives while trying to lower the the potential negatives at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I totally... Um, respect that and acknowledge that I think there is a lot of great I've been able to help a lot of people because of social media like they would have never known what I was up to or come across my website and so it's been a really cool thing in that way and then just recognizing that like having that awareness I think is so key so with all of this said we've been talking a lot about building relationships making connections and really then in addition to the making those initial connections like building off of those over time so i'm wondering with your experience just working in the self-care field meeting a lot of people talking with a lot of people and helping a lot of people too how do you believe we can put our best foot forward in our relationships Mm, well i would say taking our phones out of them is a very helpful bit very helpful piece Something I read was that even if, say you're out to dinner with someone, and even if you both have your phones like in your pocket or in your bag, not out on the table, it still impacts the interaction. Yes. And I thought that was so interesting and and so um, so relatable. I was like, yeah, I feel that. So I started when uh, my husband and I would go out for dinner, we started leaving our phones in the car. And two really cool things happened. One was restaurants were forced to give us real menus because we didn't have our phones to read the QR code, um, (laughs) which cracked me up. I was like, yeah, we don't have, and they're like, oh, okay. And then the other was that we would talk about things. And I love the fact that we can find out answers to any question at, like at our fingertips whenever we want, but there also is some beauty to like not knowing and mystery and getting curious and getting creative. And so we both recognized there'd be several times during the course of our dinner where we like want to reach for our phones to see what's the surf going to be like tomorrow at blah, blah, blah beach. Or like, you know, what answers, what's the answer to this question? And just not having that there was so cool. Um, And then, uh, so that's a really important thing. I think to give yourself time with people away from your phone. Um, And then another thing that's really important to relationship is, taking responsibility for your half of it and knowing that you're responsible for what you bring into it. And that kind of ties back to caring for yourself. Um, I think that when we don't care for ourselves, it can be so easily to end up resenting someone else looking at when they have free time and however they choose to spend it and feeling jealous of them. 
when really that jealousy just signifies that we wish that we could let ourselves off the hook to do the same. And so really getting curious about um, what might come up for you in, in relation to that person and remembering that all relationships are mirrors. They just show us who we are and what we want to bring in more of, what we want to let go of. Um, and and knowing that what connects all of us really is a sense of love and care for one another. And so if you find yourself in a relationship and you're not feeling that that's going on, if it's the type of relationship that you can sort of distance yourself from for a little while, like if you don't live with the person, give yourself some time away to get some clarity. But if you do with the, live with the person, open, clear, and honest communication is always healing. Uh, yes. Oh, so important. So important. I, I feel like I want to get so many of the things that you've said in today's episode and put them up on my wall. And oh, just, you're so, cute. Uh, so uh, Maria, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me, but I also really appreciate the work that you're doing. It's so important that we have people out there who are really helping people and educating people on the importance of self-care and really taking care of ourselves and prioritizing ourselves in a lot of ways so that we can put our best foot forward when it comes to things that we want to accomplish, the, our relationships that we are cultivating within our lives, both ones that we've had for many, many years and then ones that we're just connecting with as well. So thank you so much. Oh my goodness, you're welcome. That was that was so lovely, Pat. And thank you for holding this space and for bringing these really, really important conversations to light. Um, I know that you are a, a light bringer and a maker of change, and I am so excited to see where um, your mission takes you. Um, and I'm so grateful that I got an opportunity to speak with you today about all this important stuff. Oh, thank you. Where can our listeners find out more information about you and all the great work that you're doing? So they can find me on my website, theselfcarecoach.co. Um, also on Instagram at <laughs> Maria Lynn Miller. And Lynn is spelled with an E at the end. Great. Well, I'll make sure to include the links to those various places in our show notes. So listeners out there, just scroll down in the show notes, click those links provided. Highly recommend checking out Maria and her work. I have one last question for you, Maria, before we part ways. What's that, Pat? How can we as a society better relate to one another? Mm, that's so good. By always remembering that we're more alike than we are different. Yes. Ah, I love it. Yes. Sorry, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were going to say anything else or if I cut you off, but no, that's, no. Uh, I love that. Yes. That's like something that I'm always, always trying to keep in mind that, that human beings, despite our differences, have so many more similarities. What's been so funny is growing up on the East Coast, moving to the West Coast, for the past, I've been living there for the past five years. And then obviously your views are shaped by the place you live, the people who are around you, the experiences you have. I did some traveling and sort of seeing the way my views and values changed, especially in relation to my parents. And then this year in particular, really having opportunities to be at odds with one another over things, especially when we were just talking on the phone. 
it could feel like, oh my gosh, we're so different. We have such different beliefs. We have such different views. And then getting us back together in person, it's like, oh my goodness, no, we don't. We just see <laughs> some things in a few different ways, but we have, we sh- share so much more than we don't, uh, than we, um, differ in. And so remembering that and just having that real life experience was super sort of relieving to know like, yeah, we're all in this together. We just think we know, we, we just have different ways of getting to the same place. We just want to get there. We just think we might do it some different way. So I think recognizing that was super, super helpful. Very well said, Maria. We'll leave our listeners with that. Thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Thanks, Pat. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.